book ten of pierre or the ambiguities by herman melville this librivox recording is in the public domain the unprecedented final resolution of pierre chapter one glorified be his gracious memory who first said the deepest gloom precedes the day we care not whether the saying will prove true to the utmost bounds of things sufficient that it sometimes does hold true within the bounds of earthly finitude next morning pierre rose from the floor of his chamber haggard and tattered in body from his past night's utter misery but stoically serene and symmetrical in soul with the foretaste of what then seemed to him a planned and perfect future now he thinks he knows that the wholly unanticipated storm which had so terribly burst upon him had yet burst upon him for his good for the place which in its undetected incipiency the storm had obscurely occupied in his soul seemed now clear sky to him and all his horizon seemed distinctly commanded by him his resolution was a strange and extraordinary one but therefore it only the better met a strange and extraordinary emergency but it was not only strange and extraordinary in its novelty of mere aspect but it was wonderful in its unequalled renunciation of himself from the first determined at all hazards to hold his father's fair fame inviolate from anything he should do in reference to protecting isabel and extending to her a brother's utmost devotedness and love and equally determined not to shake his mother's lasting peace by any useless exposure of unwelcome facts and yet vowed in his deepest soul some way to embrace isabel before the world and yield to her his constant consolation and companionship and finding no possible mode of unitedly compassing all these ends without a most singular act of pious imposture which he thought all heaven would justify in him since he himself was to be the grand self-renouncing victim therefore this was his settled and immovable purpose now namely to assume before the world that by secret rites pierre glendinning was already become the husband of isabel banford an assumption which would entirely warrant his dwelling in her continual company and upon equal terms taking her wherever the world admitted him and at the same time foreclose all sinister inquisitions bearing upon his deceased parent's memory or any way affecting his mother's lasting peace as indissolubly linked with that true he in embryo foreknew that the extraordinary thing he had resolved would in another way indirectly though inevitably dart a most keen pang into his mother's heart but this then seemed to him part of the unavoidable vast price of his enthusiastic virtue and thus minded rather would he privately pain his living mother with a wound that might be curable than cast world-wide and irremediable dishonour so it seemed to him upon 
his departed father probably no other being than isabel could have produced upon pierre impressions powerful enough to eventuate in a final resolution so unparalleled as the above but the wonderful melodiousness of her grief had touched the secret monochord within his breast by an apparent magic precisely similar to that which had moved the stringed tongue of her guitar to respond to the heart-strings of her own melancholy plaints the deep voice of the being of isabel called to him from out the immense distances of sky and air and there seemed no veto of the earth that could forbid her heavenly claim during the three days that he had personally known her and so been brought into magnetic contact with her other persuasions and potencies than those direct ones involved in her bewildering eyes and marvellous story had unconsciously left their ineffaceable impressions on him and perhaps without his privity had mainly contributed to his resolve she had impressed him as the glorious child of pride and grief in whose countenance were traceable the divinest lineaments of both her parents pride gave to her her nameless nobleness grief touched that nobleness with an angelical softness and again that softness was steeped in a most charitable humility which was the foundation of her loftiest excellence of all neither by word or letter had isabel betrayed any spark of those more common emotions and desires which might not unreasonably be ascribed to an ordinary person placed in circumstances like hers though almost penniless she had not invoked the pecuniary bounty of pierre and though she was altogether silent on that subject yet pierre could not but be strangely sensible of something in her which disdained to voluntarily hang upon the mere bounty even of a brother nor though she by various nameless ways manifested her consciousness of being surrounded by uncongenial and inferior beings while yet descended from a generous stock and personally meriting the most refined companionships which the wide world could yield nevertheless she had not demanded of pierre that he should array her in brocade and lead her forth among the rare and opulent ladies of the land but while thus evincing her intuitive true lady-likeness and nobleness by this entire freedom from all sordid motives neither had she merged all her feelings in any sickly sentimentalities of sisterly affection toward her so suddenly discovered brother which in the case of a naturally unattractive woman in her circumstances would not have been altogether alluring to pierre no that intense and indescribable longing which her letter by its very incoherencies had best embodied proceeded from no base vain or ordinary motive whatever but was the unsuppressible and unmistakable cry of the godhead through her soul commanding pierre to fly to her and do his highest and most glorious duty in the world nor now as it changedly seemed to pierre did that duty consist in stubbornly flying in the marble face of the past and striving to reverse the decree which had pronounced that isabel could never perfectly inherit all the privileges of a legitimate child of her father 
and thoroughly now he felt that even as this would in the present case be both preposterous in itself and cruel in effect to both the living and the dead so was it entirely undesired by isabel who though once yielding to a momentary burst of aggressive enthusiasm yet in her more wanted mood of mournfulness and sweetness evinced no such lawless wandering thoroughly now he felt that isabel was content to live obscure in her paternal identity so long as she could any way appease her deep longings for the constant love and sympathy and close domestic contact of some one of her blood so that pierre had no slightest misgiving that upon learning the character of his scheme she would deem it to come short of her natural expectations while so far as its apparent strangeness was concerned a strangeness perhaps invincible to squeamish and humdrum women here pierre anticipated no obstacle in isabel for her whole past was strange and strangeness seemed best befitting to her future but had pierre now re-read the opening paragraph of her letter to him he might have very quickly derived a powerful anticipative objection from his sister which his own complete disinterestedness concealed from him though pierre had every reason to believe that owing to her secluded and humble life isabel was in entire ignorance of the fact of his precise relation to lucy tartan an ignorance whose first indirect and unconscious manifestation in isabel had been unspeakably welcome to him and though of course he had both wisely and benevolently abstained from enlightening her on that point still notwithstanding this was it possible that any true-hearted noble girl like isabel would to benefit herself willingly become a participator in an act which would prospectively and forever bar the blessed boon of marriageable love from one so young and generous as pierre and eternally entangle him in a fictitious alliance which though in reality but a web of air yet in effect would prove a wall of iron for the same powerful motive which induced the thought of forming such an alliance would always thereafter forbid that tacit exposure of its fictitiousness which would be consequent upon its public discontinuance and the real nuptials appear with any other being during the lifetime of isabel but according to what view you take of it it is either the gracious or the malicious gift of the great god's demand that on the threshold of any holy new and momentous devoted enterprise the thousand ulterior intricacies and imperilings to which it must conduct these at the outset are mostly withheld from sight and so through her ever primeval wilderness fortune's night rides on alike ignorant of the palaces or the pitfalls in its heart surprising and past all ordinary belief are those strange oversights and inconsistencies into which the enthusiastic meditation upon unique or extreme resolves will sometimes beget in young and over-ardent souls that all-comprehending oneness that calm representativeness by which a steady philosophic mind reaches forth and draws to itself in their collective entirety the objects of its contemplations that pertains not to the young enthusiast by his eagerness all objects are deceptively foreshortened by his intensity each object is viewed as detached so that essentially and relatively everything is misseen by him already have we exposed that passing preposterousness in pierre 
which by reason of the above-named cause which we have endeavoured to portray induced him to cherish for a time four unitedly impossible designs and now we behold this hapless youth all eager to involve himself in such an inextricable twist of fate that the three dexterous maids themselves could hardly disentangle him if once he tied the complicating knots about him and isabel ah thou rash boy are there no couriers in the air to warn thee away from these imperilings and point thee to those cretan labyrinths to which thy life's cord is leading thee where now are the high benefices whither fled the sweet angels that are alleged guardians to man not that the impulsive pierre wholly overlooked all that was menacing to him in his future if now he acted out his most rare resolve but eagerly foreshortened by him they assumed not their full magnitude of menacing nor indeed so riveted now his purpose were they pushed up to his face would he for that renounce his self-renunciation while concerning all things more immediately contingent upon his central resolution these were doubtless in a measure foreseen and understood by him perfectly at least he seemed to foresee and understand that the present hope of lucy tartan must be banished from his being that this would carry a terrible pang to her which in the natural recoil would but redouble his own that to the world all his heroicness standing equally unexplained and unsuspected therefore the world would denounce him as infamously false to his betrothed reckless of the most binding human vows a secret wooer and wedder of an unknown and enigmatic girl a spurner of all a loving mother's wisest counsellings a bringer down of lasting reproach upon an honourable name a besotted self-exile from a most prosperous house and bounteous fortune and lastly that now his whole life would in the eyes of the wide humanity be covered with an all-pervading haze of incurable sinisterness possibly not to be removed even in the concluding hour of death such o thou son of man are the perils and the miseries thou callest down on thee when even in a virtuous cause thou steppest aside from those arbitrary lines of conduct by which the common world however base and dastardly surrounds thee for thy worldly good oft-times it is very wonderful to trace the rarest and profoundest things and find their probable origin in something extremely trite or trivial yet so strange and complicate is the human soul so much is confusedly evolved from out itself and such vast and varied accessions come to it from abroad and so impossible is it always to distinguish between these two that the wisest man were rash positively to assign the precise and incipient origination of his final thoughts and acts far as we blind moles can see man's life seems but an acting upon mysterious hints it is somehow hinted to us to do thus or thus for surely no mere mortal who has at all gone down into himself will ever pretend that his slightest thought or act solely originates in his own defined identity this preamble seems not entirely unnecessary as usher of the strange conceit that possibly the latent germ of pierre's proposed extraordinary mode of executing his proposed extraordinary resolve namely the nominal conversion of a sister into a wife might have been found in the previous conversational conversion of a mother into a sister for hereby he had habituated his voice and manner to a certain fictitiousness in one of the closest domestic relations of life 
and since man's moral texture is very porous and things assumed upon the surface at last strike in hence this outward habituation to the above-named fictitiousness had insensibly disposed his mind to it as it were but only innocently and pleasantly as yet if by any possibility this general conceit be so then to pierre the times of sportfulness were as pregnant with the hours of earnestness and in sport he learnt the terms of woe chapter two if next to that resolve concerning his lasting fraternal succour to isabel there was at this present time any determination in pierre absolutely inflexible and partaking at once of the sacredness and the indissolubleness of the most solemn oath it was the enthusiastic and apparently wholly supererogatory resolution to hold his father's memory untouched nor to one single being in the world reveal the paternity of isabel unrecallably dead and gone from out the living world again returned to utter helplessness so far as this world went his perished father seemed to appeal to the dutifulness and mercifulness of pierre in terms far more moving than though the accents proceeded from his mortal mouth and what though not through the sin of pierre but through his father's sin that father's fair fame now lay at the mercy of the son and could only be kept inviolate by the son's free sacrifice of all earthly felicity what if this were so it but struck a still loftier chord in the bosom of the son and filled him with infinite magnanimities never had the generous pierre cherished the heathenish conceit that even in the general world sin is a fair object to be stretched on the cruelest racks by self-complacent virtue that self-complacent virtue may feed her lily-liveredness on the pallor of sin's anguish for perfect virtue does not more loudly claim our approbation than repentant sin in its concludedness does demand our utmost tenderness and concern and as the more immense the virtue so should be the more immense our approbation likewise the more immense the sin the more infinite our pity in some sort sin hath its sacredness not less than holiness and great sin calls forth more magnanimity than small virtue what man who is a man does not feel livelier and more generous emotions toward the great god of sin satan than toward yonder haberdasher who only is a sinner in the small and entirely honourable way of trade though pierre profoundly shuddered at that impenetrable yet blackly significant nebulousness which the wild story of isabel threw around the early life of his father yet as he recalled the dumb anguish of the invocation of the empty and the ashy hand uplifted from his father's deathbed, he most keenly felt that of whatsoever unknown shade his father's guilt might be yet in the final hour of death it had been most dismally repented of by a repentance only the more full of utter wretchedness than it was a consuming secret in him mince the matter how his family would had not his father died a raver whence that raving following so prosperous a life whence but from the cruelest compunctions touched thus and strung in all his sinews and his nerves to the holding of his father's memory intact pierre turned his confronting and unfrightened face toward lucy tartan and stilly vowed that not even she should know the whole no not know the least there is an inevitable keen cruelty in the loftier heroism 
it is not heroism only to stand unflinched ourselves in the hour of suffering but it is heroism to stand unflinched both at our own and at some loved one's united suffering a united suffering which we could put an instant period to if we would but renounce the glorious cause for which ourselves do bleed and see our most loved one bleed if he would not reveal his father's shame to the common world whose favourable opinion for himself pierre now despised how then reveal it to the woman he adored to her above all others would he now uncover his father's tomb and bid her behold from what vile attaintings he himself had sprung so pierre turned round and tied lucy to the same stake which must hold himself for he too plainly saw that it could not be but that both their hearts must burn yes his resolve concerning his father's memory involved the necessity of assuming even to lucy his marriage with isabel here he could not explain himself even to her this would aggravate the sharp pang of parting by self-suggested though wholly groundless surmising in lucy's mind in the most miserable degree contaminating to her idea of him but on this point he still fondly trusted that without at all marring his filial bond he would be enabled by some significant intimations to arrest in lucy's mind those darker imaginings which might find entrance there and if he could not set her wholly right yet prevent her from going wildly wrong for his mother pierre was more prepared he considered that by an inscrutable decree which it was but foolishness to try to evade or shun or deny existence to since he felt it so profoundly pressing on his inmost soul the family of the glendinnings was imperiously called upon to offer up a victim to the gods of woe one grand victim at the least and that grand victim must be his mother or himself if he disclosed his secret to the world then his mother was made the victim if at all hazards he kept it to himself then himself would be the victim a victim as respecting his mother because under the peculiar circumstances of the case the non-disclosure of the secret involved her entire and infamy engendering misconception of himself but to this he bowed submissive one other thing and the last to be here named because the very least in the conscious thoughts of pierre one other thing remained to menace him with assured disastrousness this thing it was which though but dimly hinted of as yet still in the apprehension must have exerted a powerful influence upon pierre in preparing him for the worst his father's last and fatal sickness had seized him suddenly both the probable concealed distraction of his mind with reference to his early life as recalled to him in an evil hour and his consequent mental wanderings these with other reasons had prevented him from framing a new will to supersede one made shortly after his marriage and ere pierre was born by that will which as yet had never been dragged into the courts of law and which in the fancied security of her own and her son's congenial and loving future mrs glendinning had never but once and then inconclusively offered to discuss with a view to a better and more appropriate ordering of things to meet circumstances non-existent at the time at the period the testament was framed by that will all the glendinning property was declared his mother's acutely sensible to those prophetic intimations in him which painted in advance the haughty temper of his offended mother as all bitterness and scorn toward a son once the object of her proudest joy but now become a deep reproach 
as not only rebellious to her but glaringly dishonourable before the world pierre distinctly foresaw that as she never would have permitted isabel banford in her true character to cross her threshold neither would she now permit isabel banford to cross her threshold in any other and disguised character least of all as that unknown and insidious girl who by some pernicious arts had lured her only son from honour into infamy but not to admit isabel was now to exclude pierre if indeed on independent grounds of exasperation against himself his mother would not cast him out nor did the same interior intimations in him which forepainted the above bearing of his mother abstain to trace her whole haughty heart as so unrelentingly set against him that while she would close her doors against both him and his fictitious wife so also she would not willingly contribute one copper to support them in a supposed union so entirely abhorrent to her and though pierre was not so familiar with the science of the law as to be quite certain what the law if appealed to concerning the provisions of his father's will would decree concerning any possible claims of the son to share with the mother in the property of the sire yet he prospectively felt an invincible repugnance to dragging his dead father's hand and seal into open court and fighting over them with a base mercenary motive and with his own mother for the antagonist for so thoroughly did his infallible presentiments paint his mother's character to him as operated upon and disclosed in all those fiercer traits hitherto held in abeyance by the mere chance and felicity of circumstances that he felt assured that her exasperation against him would even meet the test of a public legal contention concerning the glendinning property for indeed there was a reserved strength and masculineness in the character of his mother from which on all these points pierre had everything to dread besides will the matter how he would pierre for nearly two whole years to come would still remain a minor an infant in the eye of the law incapable of personally asserting any legal claim and though he might sue by his next friend yet who would be his voluntary next friend when the execution of his great resolve would for him depopulate all the world of friends now to all these things and many more seemed the soul of this infatuated young enthusiast braced chapter three there is a dark mad mystery in some human hearts which sometimes during the tyranny of a usurper mood leads them to be all eagerness to cast off the most intense beloved bond as a hindrance to the attainment of whatever transcendental object that usurper mood so tyrannically suggests then the beloved bond seems to hold us to no essential good lifted to exalted mounts we can dispense with all the veil endearments we spurn kisses are blisters to us and forsaking the palpitating forms of mortal love we emptily embrace the boundless and the embodied air we think we are not human we become as immortal bachelors and gods but again like the greek gods themselves prone we descend to earth glad to be uxorious once more glad to hide these godlike heads within the bosoms made of too seducing clay weary with the invariable earth the restless sailor breaks from every enfolding arm and puts to sea in height of tempest that blows off shore but in long night watches at the antipodes how heavily that ocean gloom lies in vast bales upon the deck thinking that that very moment in his deserted hamlet home the household sun is high and many a sun-eyed maiden meridian as the sun he curses fate himself he curses 
his senseless madness which is himself for whoso once has known this sweet knowledge and then fled it in absence to him the avenging dream will come pierre was now this vulnerable god this self-upbraiding sailor this dreamer of the avenging dream though in some things he had unjuggled himself and forced himself to eye the prospect as it was yet so far as lucy was concerned he was at bottom still a juggler true in his extraordinary scheme lucy was so intimately interwoven that it seemed impossible for him at all to cast his future without some way having that heart's love in view but ignorant of its quantity as yet or fearful of ascertaining it like an algebraist for the real lucy he in his scheming thoughts had substituted but a sign some empty x and in the ultimate solution of the problem that empty x still figured not the real lucy but now when risen from the abasement of his chamber floor and risen from the still profounder prostration of his soul pierre had thought that all the horizon of his dark fate was commanded by him all his resolutions clearly defined and immovably decreed now finally to top all there suddenly slid into his inmost heart the living and breathing form of lucy his lungs collapsed his eyeballs glared for the sweet imagined form so long buried alive in him seemed now as gliding on him from the grave and her light hair swept far adown her shroud then for the time all minor things were whelmed in him his mother isabel the whole wide world and one only thing remained to him this all-including query lucy or god but here we draw a veil some nameless struggles of the soul cannot be painted and some woes will not be told let the ambiguous procession of events reveal their own ambiguousness End of book ten